I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. As we approach Remembrance Day later this week, I'm delighted to be chatting to Richard Watts. and He's going to be talking to us about how the British Army encourages students to look at remembrance through the prism of representation, diverse voices and personal histories. But Richard is also going to be talking about how the British Army is supporting education, maybe a little bit above and beyond what some people within the education system would normally know. Now, they provide resources to help deliver careers education, including videos, posters, employable skills lessons, and you can book your local Army Careers Centre to attend careers fairs and deliver career presentations. Now, with the cost of university, which is obviously daunting and unaffordable for many people, you also may not have known that the Army offers many ways to fund full degree qualifications. They have award-winning resources, and BASE, B-A-S-E, was recognised again for the outstanding work with schools and colleges. Their LGBTQ plus voices PSHE Assembly in Lesson 1 Best Free Resource at the 2021 Teach Secondary Awards. This is a fascinating conversation in terms of Richard's experience of being a secondary teacher and how that's taken him into the world of marketing and supporting many organisations, including the British Army. So I hope you enjoy this, my conversation with Richard Watts. Hi, Richard. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Far podcast. It's always great to have this sort of diversity of, of people that I chat to but also I love the way that things sort of link together and, and having been a teacher now being in the army and the job that you do this is going to be a fascinating conversation so yeah thanks so much for joining me today that's right pleasure to be here Mark so why don't we start with that kind of that history in terms of, of the, the school experience of being in the classroom and, and how that's morphed into into your current role yeah so I I mean I, I I don't work specifically for the army as so I work for the, the army in that the army subcontract a lot of the work that they do in terms of a marketing point of view to a company called Capita. So that's who I actually work for Capita, but we work solely on promoting the army um, and the, the messages behind the army. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was, I've been a, I was a, I was a teacher for just over 10 years, secondary school teacher teaching, um, business studies primarily, ICT, um, key stage three maths uh, towards the end. Um, and I suppose I left the teaching profession after I found um, I was becoming uh, increasingly um, disin- disengaged with it. Um, I suppose I, I found, and I've, I've said this before publicly, that from a teaching was great when I was young um, and when I could put all of my effort into it and uh, you know when I come, came out of uni did my PGCE you know sort of early mid mid 20s and had lots of time to dedicate to the job 
it was great and I could do that. But then when I started to have a family, I found there was a real conflict in what, in what I had to do professionally and what I had to do privately. And I found that for me, teaching is probably one of the most inflexible professions there is um, for, for people with young families in, in some respects, because there'd be a load of people who say, yeah, but you get the holidays and you do get the holidays and the holidays are great. And, you know, that's the one thing that I, I totally miss and, and the holidays are great, but they, you know, you, you have to go to work for the rest of the time. And we, we found that having two young kids and having me and my wife who are both school teachers, um, it just became really unmanageable because we couldn't, we couldn't get, um, we couldn't, we, we had to be at school to receive other people's kids, but yeah, we had our own kids as well. So it, it, it almost became financially not, not worth doing it because we had to pay extra money to get our kids into, into, um, uh, like breakfast clubs, after school clubs so that we could be at school. And it just, it just, we, we got to a point where we were just running ragged and we were, you know, you, you're, you were leaving school at a certain time. So you didn't get charged extra, um, for, for certain clubs. And it, it just got to the point where we, where we were like, you know, something's got to change because we're just, we're just not really, you, you just, we just, we're, we weren't having a sort of, sort of like a happy, um, time at work because we couldn't give our time to work because you were looking to leave early so you could go and pick up your kids because you couldn't afford to keep them in um, um, after school care and then as a consequence of doing that you of leaving you weren't you weren't really you, you found that you weren't doing your job properly or you, or you were doing your job properly but you were working you just didn't have the capacity to do everything you needed to do so when an opportunity came up for one of us to to make a sort of a a transition out of education and into the into the private world um i sort of took it and oh, i'll be honest with you from a a sort of work-life balance point of view i i think we're a much happier ha sadly we're a much um uh we, we have a much sort of um sort of better um, I'm trying to think of the way, the way to describe it. I, I suppose our work-life balance is, is much better now and uh, that sort of thing. And, and it's a real, I say that from a, from a good point of view, but, but when you think about that, it's just, it's a really sad sort of indictment of the current education system, I think, in the way that teachers and educational professionals are treated. Um, I, I, I mean, there probably is, there probably is some research out there to support it, but I would love to see some research done on particularly um, female teachers who go either part-time or leave the profession entirely after they've had children because the the demands of school and the demands of uh, home life just don't, don't match up, um, in my view. Yeah, and I, and I find it fascinating because that makes perfect sense that there'll be so many people who can obviously resonate with that mm. um and also about the amount of hours that you need to put in like say outside e even when it's a long day and you have yeah, yeah. like say the, the practicalities of your young children it's then well then i'm making dinner i want to spend time with my children and there's bath time and bedtime and all of that kind of and stuff and if you're then having to go back to work after yeah, that yeah, like you say there's, sure. there's, a, there's a limited shelf life to what you can physically do with that and you know other jobs have to do that as well and in in my current job you know i have times where i have to work longer hours and there's I have times where I have to go away as well. 
but it's even factoring that in it's it's a it's a much less it's less constant demand all the time whereas you know and, and my wife still has that she you know she still is in education um full time and you know, she is just non-stop from from the moment she gets into school to when she gets back to the marking she does in the evenings the all, all, all the other stuff that come that comes with it it's you know when she gets the holidays they're just like she needs the downtime because otherwise she just um yeah just kill over it's just a yeah, yeah. so yeah they, it, it's a it, it's one of those things where I, I think educate being a teacher is a really great job and i loved it for a lot for the majority of the time i was there um but but towards the end i just found it's it's an unforgiving environment at times um unfortunately and i think um uh, i won't dwell on this too much but it is it's one of my one of my sort of real push points is the fact that I, th I think that's um like you say it's a sad indictment of the reality from an adult point of view yeah. um but having had children going through primary and secondary you know the reality of expecting children to be in school for six seven eight hours depending on the day and, and the situation that's going on and then come home and then be doing a large amount of work at home as well yeah, yeah, yeah. um the reality of you can understand why the mental health and the tiredness yeah. and, and all of that starts to kick in because there there is no balance in, and and yeah. so like I say it's a, it's a system and a profession that expects that to be the norm. Yeah, um, yeah. there's and, only one way that's going to head, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And and for me, issues you know the 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 real issues I have. I mean, homework is, is it can be a valuable tool, and I I think it has a place. But when when people do work for the sake of work it's just something I, I just can't get on board with at all. And it's, you, you know, I, I remember being being a secondary school teacher and we, we had these, especially now you have all these online apps which say when homework's been set and has it been set by this teacher, et cetera. And that, be, that they, are, they are great for keeping that those channels of communication to parents to say, you know, there's, there's homework here and it's, you, you don't have that phone call with the parent and they go, oh, well, you know, Johnny didn't tell me that he had homework. You know, so that, that's where it's great. But it's when, as a teacher, you have your, you know, your deputy head or whoever coming up saying, "Oh, you haven't set homework this week," and you're like, "Well, didn't have anything for him to do." You know, they 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 had their, particularly when I taught um, business studies, they had a lot of it was an, an assessment based um, course, and their homework was their coursework, and it's like, if they've done their coursework, they don't have any homework, and um, and he would come up and say, "Well, you, you know, you need to set some homework," and I'm like, "Well." So you just want me to put on there, continue with coursework, if not completed, just, you know, the kids know that I know that. So you, you want me to put that on every week? And it's like, yeah, uh, it, it, it's things like that. It's just, or when, when you have to, you know, kids get sent home with worksheets that's completely irrelevant to the topic they've been doing in the lesson, just because the teachers ticked a box that they've set homework. I used to hate that. Um, but. Yeah. And, and and I can see that there's a rabbit hole here, which we could yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a, that, that, a long that, time that, ago. That, that's one example where I could go into the into the, the issues with the education system. I mean, with, with, you know, meetings I've been in, I don't want to dwell on some of that stuff because, you know, some of the meetings, you know, you've been in, you just think, you know, these where where children are just becoming numbers in certain times. It's, it's just, yeah, it's a, it, it, it's a system that, that could do a real overhaul. 
um, and be be modernized. But not, I, I don't have any answers for that. I just from, no. from, from from someone on the inside, just looking at it, thinking this is crazy at times, you know. And it's now from the outside where I don't have that pressure of thinking, well, if I don't do that, I'm gonna get into trouble. I just look at it and just think of the madness and think, you know, why 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 did I accept that? Why did I say, oh yeah, I'm gonna do? Why don't I go to the teacher? I'm not I'm not gonna put homework on the system because, like you say, the mental health implications of that kid worrying about something or that parent saying oh you know mr watts is saying you've got coursework to be doing have you done it and it's like you know they, those are conversations that just don't even need to happen um so yeah i think I'd, i think i'd be a very different type of teacher if i went back into teaching yeah it's interesting that, and, I, and i think that's why these conversations are really important because like you say you, you can talk around all these things forever and, and and obviously people do in the profession and like saying and there's also if you're sort of one step removed now but i think that's one of the real sort of passions of mine within the podcast is just for people to hear you know different ways of going about things and it might just be that sense of I'm going to have that conversation with my SLT or to sort of say I'm going to do it somewhere differently and sort of open those open those things up but um yeah really really important so t- tell us now sort of what your work balance looks like in terms of not just time but 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 the sorts of the, the way that you're influencing yeah education. yeah so I mean I moved into um so educational marketing essentially so it's it's kind of it was a real sort of, I mean, it was a real, you know, great opportunity that appeared and it, it sort of, it married up a, a number of the sort of expertises that I, I use air quotes there that I, that I feel I have in that I've, um, I've got this educational background. I've got, uh, you know, a, a, I like to think a sort of a level of, I can talk of a level of, of authority about education. Um, I've also got a degree. Uh, sort of a background degree in business management and marketing so it sort of brought those two together and um and what we do is um so for the british army we we look at or my sort of area in particular looks at how we can improve that careers message into schools um and particularly just just raise awareness of the army so we you know the the army has lots of research that gets commissioned each year on how the the public perceived the army and one of the things that we found a few years ago was that um the link that people have with someone in the army is a lot less than it used to be so obviously my generation is probably the the last generation that had you know a, a member of their family that was in the you know the the second world war and so those kids at school they, they won't have those natural links to those people. So I think I think they worked out in the research, there was about 7% of the population know someone who's in the armed services um, or, you know, has a direct link to them, um, which is obviously significantly less than it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago when, you know, you would have known someone who would probably had some sort of input into the Second World War. Um, so what we look to do is to to raise awareness of the army to the younger generation because you know there's a lot of misconceptions about what the army is what a career in the army looks like but it's also that that's one point of it but the other point the other way that we look to do that is to is to educate teachers and careers advisors about the careers in the army because another issue with the current education system is the quality of the careers education in schools I mean, there, there are some great careers educators, uh, careers advisors out there. I'm not having to go at them, but the, the time that you get in a secondary school 
to really have those career chats with students is, you know, it's, it's almost non-existent. I mean, I remember you'd, you'd have like your year 10 student would have their half an hour for half an hour into interviews with a careers advisor that, you know, might happen once or twice a year. And, you know, that's the box ticked. And then what you're relying on, you're relying on the, the secondary school teachers in PSHE time to talk about careers education. You know, there's some program that's been hobbled together by someone. And you, you do what, you know, as a teacher, you, you talk about what you know. And if you don't know about careers in the army, you're not going to talk about careers in the army. Or if you've got misconceptions about careers in the army, you're going to talk about misconceptions and misinform all these young people. So, so what we're looking to do is to create a program that helps teachers and careers advisors to talk um, accurately about careers in the army and whether that be, you know, the traditional infantry roles that you can do in the army, or it could be medical roles you could do in the army, logistic roles. Um, or just what it's like to be in the army, the experiences from a sort of DNI point of view. You know, we, we show the, the sort of range of diversity in the army. Um, and then we talk about the, and sort of following on from that, we talk about the, the sort of, um, the, the, the impact that different people within the army have had. So whether that be, we recently did some resources that we we sent out to schools on Black History Month, and we looked at the role that um, black soldiers and officers have had within the British Army, whether that be recently, or you know going back over the last sort of hundred, two hundred years. Um, we do similar things for remembrance. We've got some resources coming out for remembrance, um, which again we 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 talk about um, remembrance beyond World War One and World War Two. Um, we look at it in all the, you know, the more recent conflicts that have happened and how that impacts people. Um, we look at it from a soldier's point of view, from an officer's point of view. Um, so, yeah, just to really sort of, you know, educate people beyond what they they think they know because they, you know, they heard some secondhand information. Um, so, it's yeah, so, that, so that, that's what we look to do is, is to raise awareness of what the army is to to younger people because they don't have those opportunities they used to, but also to help educate and support careers advisors and teachers with, you know, quality content that they can deliver to their students to um to inform them properly about about the offer that the army has because it, it's a great offer, you know, and and that's something that I wasn't aware of until I sort of came on. You're looking and thinking, you know, you you've, you've got this really good salary, you've got really good benefits you've got that job security to an extent more than you can have anywhere else really um and it's just uh yeah it is you know potentially a really good offer that isn't just those traditional infantry roles i mean the, the range of role you know you've got over 76 roles that you can just apply for when you when you walk into an army career center and you're thinking about a job it's you know way beyond that so anything you can think of in the real world like bricklayer plumber you can do that in the army and the army will pay for you to do all that stuff. And it's just, yeah. yeah. So it's just, yeah, it, it, that, that, that's what we look to do with it. And, and we, we call this the base offer, which is like our base stands for the British army support and education. Um, so that's what I've been doing for the last sort of like four years. And it's been, you know, developing that um, we've got like a content hub and developing all those resources that we can use to support um, schools. And, and we go beyond careers. We have, you know, like I've said about the black history month, the remembrance, we also have resources on mental health, um, well-being, and again, we have examples there from 
from you know soldiers who are given their point of view and how they they cope with things on a daily basis and so yeah i mean that was one of the things i was going to say in terms of the contents itself you know is is it pdf downloads as it videos whatever but you say that there's a hub that people yeah yeah right up to how, how does that work yeah so it's um go to the go to the base website we've got you know loads of resort assemblies that you can download so you know powerpoints pdfs they some of them have got videos you can you can watch with the kids they've got worksheets whole, whole range of stuff i, I basically what i looked at when i when i remember having my interview i talked to the the chief marketing officer at the time he's not there anymore but it was I just said, I'd, I'd look at it as what would I want as a teacher? And, you know, every teacher in usually in a state secondary school, you have to teach um, PSHE. No one wants to teach PSHE. You know, I trained to be a business studies and ICT teacher. I was not an expert on, on PSHE at all. But your timetable, usually, unless you're probably teaching maths or English, you're going to be teaching some PSHE somewhere. And you've got a choice. You can either you can either use the resources that the PSHE coordinator gives you, and they sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. Depends how good your PSHE coordinators are. Sometimes they're great. Um, or you can you can. I've been at some schools where you don't have any resources, and you just told this is the topic, teach it, and so you're just scouring the internet looking for content that you can you can deliver, and so. I try and look for those that sort of PSHE calendar and think right where where did I where were the times when I needed to teach stuff that I didn't have and so we've looked to create that with a sort of you know in a in a sort of way that works both for the teacher and for the army um, but gives you that professional resources that that deliver sort of engaging lessons um and you know sort of sort of we're approaching sort of remembrance as you said i, I suppose that's a, that that's a good way in in terms of all pupils who won't be aware that it obviously it's in it's in the hearing now and also like I say maybe touched in some way or even if it's you know being in a in a i don't know cubs or scouts yeah, or something yeah, that sure. go, goes to the center sure. or whatever it happens to be so how are those sort of resources um first sort of set out but then also like say how, how would you then sort of advise that they sort of use those to sort of take that forward and then maybe open up, like say, the base to, to take that forward into other conversations as well? Yeah, I mean, I suppose we, we have those resources like like Remembrance, you know, for, for, for the, the re it's an important topic. Um, and, you know, that I, I think you're going to be hard pushed to find a school in the UK that's not doing something on Remembrance during November. Um, so we, we create those resources um on those areas where you know the army is an authority that's you know that we when when we when we create a resource on remembrance you know there's you're going to be hard pushed to find any other resources out there that are going to have the same level of sort of um authority that our resources have but then what what you you know see, see in those resources they then give you the access to the other resources on on those other topics whether that be um we, we recently did a resource on for Pride Month and we looked at the role of LGBTQ teach uh, uh, members in the army. So, you know, there's a there's a whole section of the army that that well, they have a uh, an LGBTQ forum. So any service personnel, whether it be soldier officer who are of that community, they they have these networks where they can discuss what it's like to be a uh, a member of that community in the army um and we we have resources that talk about um what what pride month 
is and what it represents, but also what it's like to be a member of that community and serving in the British Army. Um, though, though, I mean, that resource, for example, it, it was a really powerful resource. Um, and we won the uh, Teach Secondary resource for best free resource on that one. Um, but again, it's it's there, there's that library of resources that you can look to to download and make use of, to, you know, for the topics that that suit you. Um, I mean, there's there's enough in there to make a, a a whole sort of almost content calendar for PSHE if you wanted to. So. And like I said, a, a lot of these things is actually like say feeling confident that the resources that you're using have the the quality and. Um, and to be able to deliver it in a way which is going to be supportive for you, but also obviously the people that you're teaching as well. And I think it sounds like, of course, the British Army has has that just by you know what they are and, and what they represent. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. It's um, you know, it's it's a great way, and and more organisations do this and should be doing this because the the education system is underfunded. We know the teachers are stretched. We know that they're you know they're their main priority is to teach um, their subject. If you're a maths teacher, your priority is to teach maths because ultimately that's what you're judged on. You're judged on those results that you get in, in your subject. And the, the government, you know, in, and rightly puts a lot of pressure on schools to deliver other content um, on, on things like, um, you know, or to sort of British values and all of the messages that go behind PSHE. And, and schools don't really have the capacity to create quality content in that because they're not experts in those areas. You know, you, as a as a business studies teacher, I wasn't an expert in PSHE. So I think it's more and more so. I think organisations need to be stepping in to to sort of help fill that, and you almost that social responsibility part to um to help schools create that content that you know works for them as well. Um, you know, if you're, uh, it, it, it helps to get your message out there, but you're helping schools by using your authority, whether you, whether you be like a bank and you've got that expertise in financial um, management and you, you support schools in money management, for example, or whether you're the army and you're supporting schools by creating those resources on remembrance. You know, it, I, I think there should be more organize, organizations should be stepping in there to support schools to do this because schools don't have the, the money and, and it's never going to be a priority because it's not going to impact their league table results. Yeah, like I say, which is, uh, is probably another rabbit hole. <laughs> that we exactly, exactly. Um, but what I, what I really liked about that is the fact that I'm also quite a big believer in the whole idea of community and, and that being that anybody that's affected or involved in any child's education. And so, like you say, the benefits of actually having been taught or seen a resource, like say from the British Army, is is expanding their understanding mm. and their, their 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 knowledge of what the world outside of the the four walls of the school looks like, yeah, or outside of sure. the school gate. So, like I say, I think that, like I say, there's a win win there for for everybody. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You you know, you you're getting that information from you know the the horse's mouth. You 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 your you know teachers are great, but you know, you can't, despite what students might think, teachers don't know everything. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we don't. And and sometimes we, we, you know, we just have to be honest and say, I don't know that. You know, let, let's have a look and see what we can find. And if organisations can can help provide that for, for the school, then then that's great. 
Yeah, I love that. And I also, I also love that sort of self-learning and that self-discovery sort of teacher and pupil together because I think that, that changes the whole atmosphere, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Those, 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 I still remember those conversations that I have with, that I had with my teachers when I was younger. There, there are those certain ones, aren't there, that you, that you still remember. And, and you know, there are those times when I like to think that, you know, I genuinely helped kids um, by by either teaching them my subject or just by having, you know, just being a person that they could talk to. Yeah, and I, I certainly true for my daughter. Actually, there's, I think there there are certain people in her school which they feel like they can have a conversation. I mean, they are pretty much adults, you know, but that but that sort of grown up to grown up, as it were, on on a, and not being judged or whatever, just being able to have that free flowing conversation with the respect yeah, yeah. and the you know, that, understanding and all of that kind of thing. And that, that's that's a real skill that I think sometimes is until you have kids who go to school that you 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 take for granted that teachers can do that because you know when when i mean working when i worked in teaching you you would quite you can sometimes quite quickly see whether people could be a teacher and um i think some of that you you have that you've got to have your subject knowledge that's that's a huge part of it but you've also got to be you've got to be a person and you've got to be able to be relatable and that doesn't mean that everyone's the same type of teacher because you can have some teachers who are really you know almost like I don't want to say authoritarian but they you know you can be really firm but fair and real and you know teaching a real disciplined environment but still you know be approachable that they can talk to and 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 conversely you can be someone who's a real it might look a bit more chaotic from the outside but it's a really positive learning environment where you know all you know students are, are happy to go and talk to them so it's it's, it's really it's really difficult but I, I think something when you when you you can just see sometimes that it just isn't working for some people and I, it's those softer skills that um that come from, well yeah that, that that make up a big part of being a teacher and that, that yeah. but also that resilience to, to to stick it out yeah absolutely and we talk a lot about sort of personalized learning which i think is important from the student's point of view but you raise a really important issue that there's also that idea of personalized teaching mm -hmm. and you can only be yeah. a best version of yourself of course yeah, you've yeah, got the training sure. and the experiences you go through but showing up as yourself every day is the best way to get that relationship going yeah for sure i mean for me i'm a very um very introverted person um and I think I would be if, if if I'd said to my my parents or perhaps even my teachers when I was very young, sort of in you know in sort of 11, 12, 13, 15, that I wanted to be a teacher. They'd have been, Are you sure that's what you want to do? <laughs> it's like because I don't I don't I don't think it's it's going to work for you. And I, but I don't think being an introvert doesn't mean you're going to be a bad teacher at all. You can be a very good teacher. It's just your your style of teaching is going to be very different. I've got another good friend of mine who was a PE and maths teacher who sadly has left teaching as well um it was a superb teacher very extrovert but a very effective teacher but just in a very different way um so I don't yeah I I, I and then that's a, another you know another rabbit hole you could go down in terms of what makes a good teacher um some some people have those almost preconceived sort of judgments of you know every teacher must be this this and that but just because you do something differently doesn't mean you're doing it badly yeah and also who and who you're going to relate to is going to be different as well isn't it because each of the pupils are different personalities as well so there's going to be people that you connect with because of that personality that comes across yeah for sure teachers. for sure yeah definitely um so it's 
having sort of talked about teachers and some of your experience, is there a teacher that you remember or an education experience that, that you'd like to share that sort of had that, I guess, positive impact, but also probably related into sort of your professional world as well in the end, in terms yeah. of how you show up as well? Um, yeah, so I suppose <clears throat> I suppose two teachers stand out for me. That I mean, there's, there's a few teachers I really like. One of them was my tutor at school um, when I was at secondary school. He was a his name was Mr. Mooney, he was a PE teacher. And um, he was, he didn't actually teach me at all in terms of the subject, but he was just a really, really sort of nice guy that you could just go and talk to if you had an issue. Um, and if you wanted to, you know, if you had a question, you could, uh, you know, you could go and ask him. He was just really approachable. He was really, in, he was a PE teacher. He was really like sports mad, and I was sports mad as well. So there was like a sort of, I suppose, a, a link there but he was just a, a really I always just remember him being really approachable just thinking if I had an issue I could go and talk to him um so so he always stuck in and then an, another teacher when I got a bit older was um a teacher that I had for um A-level business studies um Ruth Tudor and she was she was different in that what she did is she I remember I, I did an essay and I did really badly in it and I remember she just took me over took me to aside and just was like uh, at the end of the lesson asked me to stay behind and just said do you know how to answer these questions and it's like because, because you're not you're not doing that you're not answering the question and she just sat there for about 20 minutes during her lunchtime and just took me through how to answer a question this is how you answer I mean it was like a I don't know, like a six or 12 mark question I suppose but this is how you answer it you structure it you do you always do this this is the methodology behind it do this this the you know what so it's almost like you know you talk back what you've been asked to do then you look at what the pros are what the cons are and then you come up with your your um what you're going to do in terms of it and then you evaluate it it was that sort of just just said this is how you answer the question has anyone ever shown you how to do that and i was like no didn't have a clue so i just just i just write gibberish um, which was related to the topic, and um, it was just just things like you know this is there's a case study here that you've got to look at, to mention the case study into it, and those things there that I then started doing as a, you know when I was trained to be a teacher I was like you know th these are definitely things you do but it just it just made a huge impact because then I remember she set the next question a week later, and I went from getting like a an F to getting an A and I remember it was my first ever A that I'd ever got. In, in my life and it's sort of like just it, it always stuck there and it was just because and it just made me realize that oh, I'm not stupid <laughs> I just don't know how to do it no, no no one showed me the correct way and it's just and it's just yeah that that's always stuck with me so th those two teachers one just relatable and approachable and one just showing me how to answer the questions properly how to almost play the game yeah um, and it just sort of it just <laughs> stuck with me so. yeah and, and and that's 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 amazing isn't it because i think i think there are lots of people who need those conversations yeah. um and 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 just the sense that uh, it's certainly something the conversations we have with our kids is that sense of you have to understand what school is from a school's point of view and from an examination board's point mm -hmm. of view and it's not just about whether you understand what's going on it's about making sure like you say that you've you know on a sex marker there's various things that you need yeah. to hit and when you understand that and you know the subject knowledge yeah. then then you're putting yourself in a great place and it's, it's stuff that i could have i could have gone to my parents and asked them for help but i don't necessarily it's not a disservice to my parents but you know my parents didn't go to uh, college they didn't you know they they left school and they went straight into a job um 
and they'd never been to to university and they they wouldn't have known how to answer those questions properly. They'd have given it a good go. My dad in particular had given it a great go. But I just, he wouldn't have been able to say, this is how you structure an essay question. And, you know, there are, there are lots of children out there who don't have those same, um, you know, and, it, and, and, that would, and that's where it'd be very different from me with my kids, because I could just sit down and say, right, what are we doing with this? Okay, this is how you're going to structure out. And there'd be lots of kids who have those opportunities. And there are lots of kids out there who still don't have those, who don't have that yeah. sort of knowledge at home to, to, to help guide them. Yeah, so you can have that entire conversation and maybe not even talk about the content. Yeah. <laughs> it's purely it's purely about the structure and then, then what you need to do. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given, or is there a bit of advice that you might give your younger self now, looking back? Um, I always remember my first head teacher. Um, she would always say every that first day back from the summer holidays every inset she would always do her like you know usual going over the results but she would always talk about um what was it uh failing to plan is planning to fail and she would always say that was like her mantra that she used to say in terms of at the start of each year and it, it, that that's always stuck with me um so when you're doing you know particularly in teaching when you've got lessons all the time, you need to make sure that you, you're, you're putting time in your planning, and especially in your earlier years, you need to, you know, in, invest time in planning because it, it sort of reaps rewards later on down the line. So that, that's always stuck in. And that's not to say that I don't wing it at times because there are times when I, when I certainly do. But when it comes to the big stuff, making sure you, you put the time in to plan for it if it's important. Yeah, really good advice. And we all have a resource which we we find sort of supportive or helpful so is there a podcast a video book film song anything and it could be professional personal something that's had an impact on your life um so yeah i was thinking about so books so personally so the hobbit was you know completely in terms of what that did for me is that made me enjoy reading that book so before before I'd read that, I didn't enjoy, you know, when I was younger at school, I wasn't interested in reading at all. Um, I was just interested in, you know, things like video games, sports. And it wasn't until I sort of read that book that my dad got me to read it. He started reading to me and then a little bit later I read it, that it made me sort of enjoy reading. And then the benefits that that had later on in terms of, um, you know, being able to, increase my my use of vocabulary um being able to write a sentence correctly so i always yeah that that sort of and it it got me thinking about then if i'd been in school when i was able to you know no and this is why i don't want to because there'd be english teachers who listen to this and go oh no you you know because there were books that i read at school (laughs) that did not interest me at all i mean God, if anything, they the, what they did is they turned me off reading. Um, and I just wonder if, you know, and this is where it comes to that personalization, isn't it? I and mean, it's not always possible to do that. But if I'd been able to read books that I genuinely enjoyed, um, then, you know, would have that made me enjoy, uh, for example, English or perhaps perform better in it? I don't, I don't know, maybe. But yeah, so that that book was quite, I suppose, quite transformational for me because it made me enjoy reading. And I think that, you know, the, the more I read as I, because I, I picked up reading 
you know, I wasn't reading loads when I was younger. It wasn't until I was I was a bit older that I started doing that. That um, it, it yeah, really sort of um, gave me a love for reading, which is you know continued into my forties. Um, and it it, it started it always, it always started with that that first book, which was The Hobbit. Yeah, and I certainly I can identify with that. I remember being into my teens and suddenly finding a, an autobiography of someone I was interested in and thinking, yeah. oh. I'm not picking this up for any reason other than I want to yeah, and I'm yeah, finding yeah. something out and I start to, my world expanded. Yeah, and sure. like I say, there's a bit of a light bulb moment there, which I think <laughs> say, a lot of us get to a lot, a lot later than maybe we should do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely for me. Yeah, definitely for me. I just, yeah, that, that, there, there are those, that, that's one of those things that's just that sort of, um, I, I suppose it's a bit nerdy now, but that sort of love for fantasy reading has not changed and it's, it's, it's increased if anything, but it all started from that. But, reading's reading for me whether it's you know fantasy you know fiction whatever you know biographies whatever it's just the more you can do the better um so yeah that's my my little golden nugget the hobbit yeah fantastic um and, and just as we start to finish off obviously fire is an important acronym for us in terms of education on fire so we talk about feedback inspiration resilience and empowerment yeah which which of those things speak to you or or would you like to sort of um share from that sort of initial initial thoughts um i suppose uh, i i think resilience is a, is a big thing um and i think empowerment they're the two for me that really sort of stand out i mean when i was uh, uh, at university on my masters in in education we i did a lot of work on empowerment and student autonomy and giving students that autonomy and empowerment and, and the differences it made to their education when they were making more of the choices. Um, so I, I, I do strongly advocate um, empowerment in schools, particularly for students. And that's not just doing empowerment for the sake of it in terms of like, okay, school council and they can decide when the next free, you know, next non-uniform day is. I mean, it was really about students learning their, really having an impact in the in the direction and the choices of what they were learning and when and, it, and that's guided by a teacher having some sort of like um scaffolding around it but but them having some sort of involvement it definitely i think makes a difference um resilience i think comes more i've learned more about that recently i suppose with um with my kids and I want to, I look at it and think I really want them to be resilient people. And it's trying to, I'm looking for how can I make them more resilient and that almost that, that message of not giving up, um, you know, whether that be, and, and at the moment, that's just on things like, um, you know, the sports clubs they go to, you know, if, if they're playing for a football team and they're not enjoying it a week, it's about, you know, we don't give up on these things and, you know, we keep going. And if someone's tackled you, you get back, you tackle them, etc. So those are the two that sort of stand up for me is, Empowerment, I think, is a is a really big thing that schools should look to do more. But I get that there isn't the capacity to always do that. And um, resilience, I think, is something that we need to look also to make all of our students and young people, because the more resilient they are, the more likely they are to succeed in the workplace. Yeah, and I, and I think when you go into your, you know, like say your classroom or your school or or wherever you are supporting young people, it's that sense of if that's in your mind, then you're going to start to, have, let's say, have those conversations yeah. or, or you're going to sort of make those sort of situations a, a reality by yeah. just having them in the forefront of your mind. And that's kind of the key, I guess. Exactly. I mean, I just think in, resilience is really important. And it's just, there was a, I was, my 
I was playing football with my daughter the other day and um, we were just practicing kick uh, like keepy ups just how to get better at doing keepy ups. I was just like saying, just keep going, keep going. And then I did a few, did, you know, like 10 in a row. Um, and she's like, oh, how can you do that? And I'm just like, just practice. It's just, you know, I just practiced when I was a kid, you know, just constantly practicing, you know, out here all the time. And I'm not a sportsman at all, really. Um, but I just, I just practiced it. And I just said, you know, the more you practice things, the, the better you get at it. And it's not giving up just because you, you know, you keep getting to free and it just, you lose control of the ball. Um, so yeah, but, you know, because the more you can be resilient at a younger age, the, the better you're going to be when you're older. Because I mean, just, you just think about if teachers weren't resilient, you know, you, you the recruitment crisis for teachers would be even worse than it is because mm-hmm. the, you know those days when you just walk in and have an absolute shocker of a lesson where everything just goes wrong you know and you just think god why am i doing this you know sometimes you, you, you that resilience is the reason you go back because you, you look at it and learn and think you know what can i do better um so yeah resi- resilience and empowerment yeah, and really that. really really important yeah really important so Tell us, um, you spoke about the base. So if people who are wanting to get information about this and that, like, say, support them and what they're doing at school, where's the where's the website? Where's the place they can go and get all that info? Yeah. Uh, so uh, British Army Sport and Education, I mean, you type that into Google, you'll, you'll, you'll come up with a page. But, yeah, the website is the, is the best place to get all of our information. I mean, if you're a school and you want the Army to come in, I mean, the information's on the website. But, you know, if you've got a local Army Career Centre, you can reach out to your local Army Career Centre. They can arrange people to come in. Um, if you go to the website, there's a number on there you can phone. The, you know, the Army, we, I, I didn't talk about this, but we, we have those resources that you can download yourself and deliver yourself as a teacher. But then also the Army has, you know, outreach teams that will come into schools, deliver um, workshops, um, team building workshops, etc. talk about army careers as well, firsthand from soldiers. So yeah, the, the, the whole, whole range of that. But yeah, um, if you, I mean, Google British Army Sport and Education, that's the best way to get there. Fantastic. And like I say, there's there's a, there's a whole world there that probably many people have not even thought about entering before. So like I say, hopefully it'll open the door in whichever way it is. So uh, Richard, thank you so much for joining me. It's fascinating hearing someone who's had that sort of in the classroom and outside of the classroom experience. But I think also, like I say, how organisations are able to support schools by just being who they are, yeah, but yeah. having that education focus is amazing. Yeah. So thanks very much. Pleasure. Thanks very much, Mark. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.